1: Hello, citizens! Welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show where the night is hot as hell. It's a lousy room in a lousy part of a lousy town. I'm staring at a goddess. It's you, Brian. She's Ooh. telling me she wants me. Say it. I want you. Well, this is good stuff <laughs> Audio Land. I'm not going to waste one more minute wondering how I've gotten this lucky. She smells like angels ought to smell. The perfect podcast partner. <laughs> the, the god, Brian. She says her name is Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens is you try to adapt on the fly.
0: Yeah, that was um, flattering. You, a, you
1: want me? You are a goddess? You smell like angels?
0: Yeah. Can confirm. Uh, on that note, we're, we're talking about Michael J. Fox as the, the New York City Deputy Mayor in Spin City.
1: That's correct. It's a weird offshoot. We're not. Today <laughs> we are talking about 2005's Sin City, directed by Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez, and kind of Quentin Tarantino. For a little bit. Just a teeny tiny bit. We'll get there. I want to talk about those first two directors, though. We sure should. Right off the bat. Robert Rodriguez. He was going to be the sole director on this thing. He said, no, 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 Hold on. Give me Frank Miller. Awesome. They said, no, 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 no.
0: You guys aren't an established team of directors.
1: We can't credit you together. Right. So Robert Rodriguez said, cool, I'm just going to leave the DGA then. And then Frank Miller's like, I guess I'm co-director now. And then Disney's like, all right, you're out of DGA. Now you can't do John Carter. And Robert Rodriguez is like, oh, darn.
0: Oh, shucks
1: found a loophole to get out of doing John Carter. How about that? That's showbiz instincts for (laughs) you.
0: Amazing. The man just quit the Director's Guild so he could give credit to Frank Miller.
1: Where credit is due because this is one of the most true comic book adaptations that there is.
0: I agree. This thing is insane. This makes Watchmen look like they didn't even read the book.
1: We'll get there. I don't really want to compare it to Watchmen. I want to compare it more to 300 for Frank Miller reasons. Yeah, that's fair. You've seen this thing before. Yes. What were your thoughts the
0: first time through? The first time through, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. This is going to change cinema forever.
1: And what were your thoughts the latest time through, this rewatch?
0: Still pretty good. Not going to change anything forever.
1: Well, now I can't. Now we're <laughs> 16 years into the future on this thing. Easy to make that call in hindsight. Right. <laughs> Have you seen this before? I'm sure you I have. have. I've seen this a few times before, and on this rewatch, I was surprised at how well it held up.
0: Yeah, I will, like, I will agree with that. It was
1: never not boring until it got a little boring.
0: That's totally fair.
1: How do you even want to do this? Because this is not an A to B movie at all. No. This is an anthology. Yes. There's different stories playing out within the film. There's I no real structured
0: plot line. Maybe we just do it heavy metal style. Just bang it out? Just like, segment by segment by here's segment? Here's the segment, here's what happens. I love it. Heavy metal, man. That was-
1: John Candy. An a experience. weird horny alien. <laughs> I guess we should just get right into this one, then.
0: Let's do it. We start off with, the customer is always right. The salesman, played, of course, by Josh Hartnett- Of course. Walks into a penthouse balcony where the customer, played by Marley Shelton, looks over Basin City, which I did not realize- that it was called Basin City. How about that?
1: Until this rewatch? Yeah, I had they no idea. They pass a sign like four times. This Basin At city least. With the, with the BA crossed out there.
0: Yeah, it's shot out with bullet holes to make it just Sin City. Do, do you get it? I very
1: much get it. And you want to know, this actually makes me think of a sign that I have around the corner from my house, where there's a, a farm right around the corner, and there's a sign that it just has, like, truck entrance on it. And, you know, someone did the graffitis on the Basin City sign to make it just say Sin City. Right. Because it had to for, I don't know, setting reasons. What they did on this farm sign that says truck entrance is they wrote anal at the top of it. So now it just says anal truck entrance, and I don't <laughs> understand it at all. That is that is so not creative. And it's been there for years. And I just look at it every time. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Anal
0: truck entrance. That I don't know what entrance. an anal truck entrance is?
1: That, that, yeah, that's...
0: That is the laziest graffiti I've ever heard of.
1: I don't even know what it's about, man. I don't want to stop and be like, what's up with the anal truck
0: reference here? Like, is
1: is that a thing? Oh, we
0: forgot to cross off truck. It was just supposed to say (laughs) anal entrance. Thanks for pointing that out.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad I finally get to get that confusion off my chest. It's been bothering me for a long time. And I'm so happy you didn't say like you don't know what an anal
0: truck entrance is. You're an idiot, Dave. Yeah, it's like, come I'm on. an
1: idiot for a lot of other reasons. That's not <laughs> one of them.
0: Email us if you know what an anal truck. You know what? Don't, 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 don't,
1: don't. don't. They're going to. Don't. I'd rather
0: They're... prefer not knowing if it's actually a thing. I
1: want to live my life in mystery still.
0: Josh Hartnett offers a cigarette to the customer and says that she looks like she's tired of running, and that he can save her. Sounds like a good deal. So they do the kiss, yep. and then he shoots her, and she dies in his arms. Turns out it was a bad deal. Yeah, not a good deal at all. How about that? He says he'll never know what she was running from, but he'll cash her check in the morning. Amazing. You got like a hitman here. I love it. It's great. What a way to start this flick. Hey, You have
1: all the black and white, the city. You got her in the red dress. You're like, I see what we're doing here. Cool.
0: All right. We're, we're On doing with the stuff. movie. And then we get a title card, Sin City, and we're in it.
1: And it has like some crazy like Blues Brothers like soundtrack almost like boom 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 boom. It is <laughs> very similar, bum, to
0: boow, that,
1: not it? It doesn't do that. That is Blues Brothers.
0: Proper, that is proper Blues Brothers, and that is probably something we should add to our Patreon list. I'm very on board for that one. We move on to story number two. That yellow bastard on the docks of Sin City. Soon to be retired police detective John Hardigan, played by Bruce fucking Willies. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is my shit. He's trying to stop a serial child killer from raping and killing his fourth known victim, 11-year-old Nancy Callahan.
1: He's doing the right thing.
0: Absolutely. I don't think anyone's
1: going to argue that he's doing the right thing. No,
0: Nobody's going to be like, oh, man, Bruce Willis, maybe you should have taken the day off and let that 11-year-old get moited. Maybe you should see it from his side. Or don't. <laughs> or don't ever. Hardigan's partner, Bob, played, of course, by Michael Madsen. Who else? Of course. Of course. He tries to convince Hardigan to walk away because of his heart condition and his age. So Hardigan knocks him out. Got a bum ticker. Hell of a way to end a partnership.
1: I absolutely love all the dialogue in this movie and all the deliveries. And I want to talk about that right off the bat because this movie is a proper film noir, neo-noir. Call it what yes. you want. Yes. Are the actors emoting a whole lot? No. Not at all. Their dialogue, though, is so cadenced that it's always next line, next line, next line. You pass to the next actor. They do their lines. You pass it back and forth. Every single time you hear any of this dialogue, it is so spaced out so perfectly and so symmetrically. It could only be by design. It is phenomenal the way that it's directed and acted here. Phenomenal despite not having any
0: emotion or breaks in order to elicit a feeling of emotion. Right. Which I think in itself is challenging, so. Absolutely. Hardigan finds the killer is Junior Rourke, played, of course, by Nick Stahl, the son of Senator Rourke, played by Powers Booth, who has still the coolest name of all time. It's up there with Rucker Hauer. We'll get there. Senator Rourke has been bribing the police to cover up his son's crimes. Junior shoots Hardigan in the shoulder and tries to escape, of course, carrying little Nancy. But Hardigan catches up, and he shoots off Junior's ear, hand, and genitals.
1: Right. They call that the trifecta. They sure do. And what's wild about it is the camera, you would think, is going to just move at some point to take the view off of the genital shooting. You would think. It does not. It
0: it absolutely does not.
1: (laughs) It completely jades you to everything that's about to happen in this movie right off the bat.
0: You're like, oh, okay,
1: that's what we're in for. Ball shooting. That's right, no balls are safe in the making of this film. If there were like a, a PETA for for testicles, they'd have to have a warning at the end of this thing.
0: No actual testicles were harmed in the making of this film. It's like a teta testicles for the ethical treatment of animals
1: That's right <laughs> I couldn't change the A at the end because it's true. Just, it's, it's, I, just it's just pet pet, <laughs> Boy, and that's just weird,
0: yeah. Bob wakes up and he comes and he shoots Hardigan in the back. And as the sirens approach, Bob leaves and little Nancy lies down in Hardigan's lap. I like how you suggested that he only got shot once in the back. Oh, no. He gets shot once in the back and then he turns around and he's like, all right, well, he's going to kill little Nancy, so I'm going to make him shoot me instead. And then he gets shot a lot of times.
1: Right. And I'd have to imagine like he got so- shot so many times that the guy who was doing special effects on this film... When they told him how many squibs he needed to set up on Bruce Willis that day, he said, surely you jest. That's way too many. And Robert Rodriguez said, I'm not in the DGA anymore. Do it. And the special effects guy's probably like, I don't know what has to do with it. I don't, why'd you bring that up? <laughs> Those two things I are connected. That it's a great story, and it makes you all high and mighty, but Jesus, Robert.
0: <laughs> you did four Spy Kids movies. That's <laughs> so many Spy Kids movies. <laughs> Actually, at this point, he might have only done two. Still, so many Spy Kids movies. But still, yeah. Oh, you know what? It was three in A Shark Boy and Lava Girl so far.
1: Easy to confuse it. Yeah. I see where you went astray there.
0: Hartigan uh, passes out, dies, something of the sort. We're not sure yet, but his VO, I like this line. An yeah. old man dies, a young girl lives. Fair trade. Fair trade. Then we go to the next story. The hard goodbye.
1: I like how just quickly they're just like, this story is either on pause or it's over. It doesn't matter. On to the next
0: thing. New characters, new stuff happening. Here we go. After a one-night stand, Marv, played by Ricky... Ricky, Ricky Mork. You've heard Ricky of Ricky Mork? Mork? Famous uh, actor, Ricky Mork. Something about Mickey Rourke, I always expect him to not be good at acting. <laughs> and he always lets me down in a way that he he doesn't let me down. So he lets you down in the sense that he's great. He's very good. And I always like, I'm like, oh, Mickey Rourke, here we go. And he's always great. And all I like I just, I want my board. That's it. It's Ricky fucking Mork, man. Ricky Mork, so good. <laughs> he wakes up to find Goldie, played by Jamie King, has been killed while he slept.
1: Right, he did the sex with her. And we got to see them do the sex. And then he wakes up and he's like, <laughs> yeah, that broad's dead, the- huh?
0: All right. Don't know who could have done it because nobody sneaks up on old Ricky Mork.
1: <laughs> I love his reaction. He just sits up and Betty has a cigarette and he's like, I guess I have to solve this murder now. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah. The nearly- was, I had nothing to do today. This works out really well, actually.
0: Oh yeah. Good thing I cleared out my calendar for today because <laughs> got to solve a murder. Immediately the police arrive. So Marv is like, all right, I've been set up. Just Pretty good thing to be able to figure out because otherwise you'd be like, oh, good. They're here. I can report this murder. Report this murder. He flees, which for Marv looks a lot like just battling the police.
1: Yeah. He kind of doesn't so much open a door as he explodes through it. Yeah. And throws
0: police like they're rag dolls. Yeah. He's a large man with an interesting face and he's very strong. He is very strong for, I don't know if he
1: skipped upper body day for life. For life. Old Mickey Rourke here, but uh, the jacket does wonders for him eventually.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Naturally, when you're fleeing the police, you go to your lesbian parole officer, Lucille, played by Carla Gugino. She's really naked. She is super naked, and there seems to be no reason for it. But they're like, she's a lesbian, so it's okay. The dialogue tells us. And that's
1: why, like, Mickey Rourke's not even looking at her twice. He's like, yeah, I mean, she's a lesbian. With a body like that, she can get any guy in the world because misogyny is a thing. That is just rampant in Basin City.
0: And also <laughs> and within this 2005.
1: Film. Yeah. And I just like how they move on with the scene then. There's no tension, no anything. It's like, all right. It's like, all right. She's Thank you for establishing the relationship.
0: Put on that robe and we're going to continue with dialogue. She warns him to give up on the mission because she's like, you imagined all of this because of your condition. And then she gives him his medicine, which I didn't realize that parole officers held onto medication.
1: I think she might be a bad parole officer. Oh, okay. Going off of what comes up
0: later? That's fair. Marv goes and interrogates a bunch of informants, including a guy who he, he shoves his head in a toilet, and there's still Dookie in the toilet. There's so much Dookie in the toilet. Why do they show that?
1: I don't know, but uh, you know what? He had it coming, I guess. I, I don't guess. know.
0: I don't know. He eventually makes his way to a corrupt priest, played by Frank Miller. Here he is, director cameo creator cameo. I don't know. He's dual cameoing all by himself. Just cameoing all over the screen.
1: Stanley ain't got shit on him in this moment. And in this moment, at this time,
0: (laughs) he has lines. So, yeah, actually. He has a lot of lines,
1: too. (laughs) He's got
0: a scene. He has a whole scene. The priest reveals that the Rourke family is behind the murder. And then Marv's like, all right, cool. I'm going to kill you. So he shoots the priest. And and Frank Miller gets to act like he's getting shot. Acting. It really is,
1: because I like how his head, like, goes back, but then he stops before it, like, hits the back wall. Yep. So it's like, well, that's always not stuck well with me in every single watch of this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then Marv gets attacked by Goldie, which he dismisses as a hallucination.
1: It makes sense. He just watched the girl die.
0: Yeah, well, he woke up and she was dead. He didn't watch her die. He didn't watch her die.
1: You're right. But she's got, like, the car, and she's driving the car back and forth really, really quickly, and... Hitting him, knocking him all about. And yeah, he's like, "What the hell? We did the sex, and now you're running me over the car."
0: This must be a hallucination. <laughs> it feels like I'm seeing things while I get hit by this car. It's
1: like he lost his virginity probably like six hours ago. He doesn't <laughs> know. Maybe this is part of it.
0: Maybe it's like what is like
1: mantises that like eat the the man after it's done or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's kind of like that.
0: You get hit with a Cadillac every now and then, if it's good enough.
1: If you have not been hit with a car after sex, you're doing it wrong.
0: Yeah, you're bad at sex if you've never been run down by a Cadillac afterwards.
1: <laughs> we should call that like the Cadillac challenge. Like if you go to a bar and you're single or whatever, and like you pick up a girl, ask that question Hey, 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 hey,
0: you got a caddy? <laughs> Trying to run me over later?
1: Oh, God, that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Marv makes his way to the Rourke family farm, and he's subdued by Silent Stalker, the guy who killed Goldie, played by Elijah Wood, of all people.
1: It blows my mind every single time, just because you don't think of Elijah Wood as being... No, he's always creepy in his own right, but you never think of him (laughs) as being like evil and the bad guy.
0: Yeah, he's got a special brand of creepy, but it's like a charming creepy. Exactly. (laughs) Marv wakes up in a basement dungeon, the walls adorned with the heads of young women, basin city prostitutes
1: oh it's so wonderful too that reveal it's perfect
0: oh yeah it's so good and lucille is also in the prison cowering in the corner
1: right that formerly naked parole officer once again naked now and i just love this performance by her because once again it keeps the cadence going of the dialogue because this should be a very dramatic and traumatic scene for her yes and it is not she's just this is my dialogue this is how it's gonna go these are the words i say Lightly emote because that's just not what we're doing here. It's about the darkness of the whole scene. It's not about trying to bring out these crazy
0: emotions. Right. Crazy choices. Insane choices, actually, but I love it. I'm here for it. Huge fan. She tells Marv that Elijah Wood is a cannibal and he cut off her hand and made her watch him eat it. Not what you want. She made me watch him eat it. But what kind of meat is there like on that hand? I don't know. I feel like, like if that's you're a weird go... spot. Yeah, hand is a weird choice. Unless you're, it's just a power move.
1: Maybe. I mean, we we got to see a lot of Carla Gugino. We saw
0: all of it realistically. Like that's you can tell
1: where where the good meat is, and the hand was not one of
0: it. <laughs> well, yeah, like, that's, you, you can't do that. You got to save the good meat for later.
1: A butcher is not going to go up to Carla Gugino and go like, "Boy, you got one of the meaty hands." All right. <laughs> I'm not so much in the mood for chicken fingers, but <laughs> Lucille fingers would be immaculate right mm. now.
0: <laughs> Finger licking good.
1: Oh, boy. That is a whole new spin
0: that I did not know I needed in my life. Spin City, baby. It's back. Michael J. Fox and everything. Carla Gugina was in Spin City. Yes, she was. So there you go. Full circle.
1: I suppose so. Your, I can't believe that that is working out the way that's that your, it should
0: never have worked out. Your MDB fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just coined that. That's going to have to become a thing now. I guess it might have to. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> we have to get a whole lot more clever for it to become a regular thing. Fair enough. Lucille explains that powerful people are protecting Elijah Wood and that she was under suspicion as soon as she began to investigate Goldie's death on Marv's behalf. She tells him that Goldie was a prostitute and had been servicing the upper echelons of the clergy when she learned of Elijah Wood's evil tendencies. Then she went to Marv for protection.
1: Is this also the scene where we learn why he's trying to find the killer of Goldie, like avenge her in a way? Yeah, I think so. Marv looks like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, like you put bad prosthetics on Mickey Roar, even though his (laughs) face naturally has that bad prosthetic look to it. It's exactly what it looks like. What's real on that? I can't tell. You don't even look like a human being sometimes. (laughs) But he says that Goldie kind of gave him the time of day. And the time of night. And the time of night. And he said that, girls, I can't even usually pay for. And she just kind of came over. It was great. We had a ball. She died, yeah. But, you know, know, I don't know how it's supposed to work. I got cadillac We did it right. Stop (laughs) picking on
0: me, Lucille. She died, then I got cadillac That's how it goes, right? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Pretty sure that's like the appendix of the Kama Sutra. How you have foreplay, and it's all like, get him hot. Get him going. So happy we didn't get to see Mickey Rourke do that. Oh, God, thank you. I wouldn't sleep you. for forever. You get to watch the sex. The sex happens in all the positions with Marv. I can't imagine there's many, because <laughs> he looks like he doesn't
0: move at all. And then, of course, post-coital, you get cadillac That's what happens. Moited, then cadillac Exactly. Marv climbs up to his little peekaboo window. You know, how all prisons have bars <laughs> right? with windows with bars. And uh, he's looking out, and he sees a car pull up, and they're like, hey, Kevin. And that's how we learn that the killer's name is Kevin. No last name. It's just Kevin. It's just Kevin. That's right. The cannibal's name is just Kevin. So now you know whenever you listen to
1: past guests, it's just Kevin. You just imagine him with some lady fingers just <laughs> in his mouth. He really just likes tearing them away. We have to take so many breaks while recording with him just because he can't keep the lady's fingers out of his mouth.
0: Yeah, we also have to keep our distance because we do.
1: You never know. You, you never, never know.
0: know. Just gotta make sure he's eaten before he comes over to record.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so Kevin escapes, and Marv yanks the window out of the the wall. As How'd you, go. you do. And just then the SWAT team arrives. One note's amazing about this, though?
1: What's that? So Marv pulls out the window, like the bars and all the concrete around it. Yeah. And what's great about that is one of the producers on this movie is Harvey Weinstein. And he is so (laughs) frail and pathetic of a man that he can't even dream of doing this.
0: He could probably dream about it, but that's as far as it's going to go.
1: Man's a fucking pig. Absolutely disgusting. So happy he's in jail. Absolutely disgusting. Getting it out of the way that he's a producer on this movie right away. And you know what? It checks out.
0: Yep, it, it makes sense. When you, when you see some of the things that are happening here.
1: I can imagine, like, at the first scene, he's like, maybe let Junior get away with the uh, little girl. Maybe. Maybe, you know. If what do you think, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller? Get the fuck out of here, Harvey. He
0: probably showed get up. He's off, like, fuck out of here. Wait, is Bruce Willis the bad guy in this movie? I don't.
1: <laughs> Harvey, we do not need you on set this day. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. Yeah, I don't follow the story. I don't know what's happening. Harvey, why are you in a smoking jacket and weird sandals, the leather ones that all rich people wear, like Biff in Back to the Future Part (laughs) 2? Who are we supposed to be rooting for in this scene again? (laughs) Never root for Harvey Weinstein. Flat out. Flat out. So happy he's in jail, so happy he's going to be
0: dead soon. So Lucille is like, Marv, don't do anything. These are cops. I'm one of them. I'll go talk to him." She goes out. She's like, hey, you know, we got out. We were being held prisoner. And then she gets murked. She does get murked, but it's after she knocks out Marv. Well, because Marv was going to go do something silly, and it turns out like save their lives. Marv was the one who was, was like, I'll who's just right. Talk to him. They were her people. She thought she could manage it. It's Sin City, Basin City, right? But Still Basin City.
1: Everything is so dark and grimy that you can't imagine a conversation's going to help.
0: No, I feel like the most untrustworthy looking people are the ones you should trust in Sin City.
1: I think that's pretty fair. I feel like that if you ever see anyone just sitting there, you have to assume that they're inner monologuing
0: and you shouldn't go near them. They're Absolutely. The oh, they're, they're definitely, doing... they're busy right now. Oh, without to a doubt. themselves.
1: They are going over the plot of their life in their heads, <laughs> just waiting for something to happen.
0: Self-narration.
1: It's a beautiful thing. There is so much inner monologue that we hear. It's wild. It's and, most again, that's of the dialogue. Classic film noir. Classic.
0: So Marv gets up and he kills all of the cops, except for their leader, who he interrogates, and he learns that Cardinal Patrick Henry Rourke, played by Rutger Hauer, has arranged for Goldie's murder.
1: Arranged? It's in the past now. She done.
0: Right. Had arranged for Goldie's murder. So naturally, Marv's like, cool. New target acquired. All right. I know where I'm going next. With this new information about Goldie's profession, he actually heads to Old Town, Sin City's prostitute-run red light district. When he gets there, he's captured by Wendy, Goldie's twin sister, also played by Jamie King because twins.
1: Twins, Basil, twins. We all and know how it works.
0: she drives a Cadillac.
1: Hey, how about that? So it turns out- I don't even know if it's a Cadillac.
0: I don't know, but- That's just a brand of car. She's for sure the one who ran him over earlier. Oh, without a
1: doubt. It wasn't <laughs> ghost Goldie.
0: It wasn't. So it was maybe, living Wendy. Maybe we need to reevaluate the good sex.
1: Maybe not. So if you get cadillac it probably means you ran out. Like on her, like you tried to do the old Ross, like hug and roll. Oh yeah, type scenario, and you kind of woke her up, and she's like,
0: "Motherfucker!" And that's how you get Cadillac. That's how you get cat. Or oh, you know what? You go to the bar and you, hey, does your twin sister have a Cadillac?
1: <laughs> you could do that. Even though now I kind of wish it were the Ross from Friends move because I would like to see the Central Perk the next day of how he comes in with casts, and whatnot, like just body casts and crutches. Hi, and when he walks in. <laughs> You have Chandler going like, what did you do? Because comedy and right. speaking funny. Elicits yeah. its laughs. And then he has to explain the whole story the before to his friends. And I want that. I want that.
0: But with Marv.
1: Oh, God. If Marv walked into Central Park. <laughs> I'll cast it up. I walked on in there. There was a blonde one, an OCD one, and a hot one. <laughs> and also a girl. Hey, Rachel. Yeah, I was looking at you, Joey, when I said the hot one.
0: They all smelled like, I think angels would smell like
1: and coffee, mocha with two sugars and two milks. Uh, one of them
0: kind of smelled like a smelly cat.
1: <laughs> I couldn't figure out what they were feeding her.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, is that do we do enough friends jokes? Can we move on? I don't know cuz <laughs> I I like Sin
1: City quite a bit, but now my head's off. It's off in another place.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, back in Sin City, Marv convinces Wendy that he's not the killer, and the two return to the farm, and Marv finally gets to kill Kevin. I like how quickly he convinces her, too. Yeah, he just kind of like pulls the ropes off of him, and she's like, oh, I thought you were tied up, and he was like, nope. Well, Rosero Dawson's like, knots, they're
1: my specialty. It's like, I guess if you have to have one, okay. If you must. And he just breaks out. just like, you could have done it at any time. He's like, yeah, I need you to trust me, though, because now we're having a conversation yeah. instead of me just kicking ass all the time.
0: She's like, all right, well, I guess I do then.
1: And I like the supplies that he gets because he gets uh, a knife or a saw, a yep. bow saw. He gets rubber tubing.
0: Naturally. And his
1: mitts. We get to see his hands up close. You're like,
0: okay. And let's not forget the giant lacrosse gloves. They are huge. They're special gloves. They're huge. They go to the farm, and of course, they they find Kevin. He ties him up.
1: Doesn't tie him up. He handcuffs him to him, because he's like, I got you, little son of a bitch. he
0: handcuffs him to him, ties him up to a tree, cuts his limbs off, and uses the the rubber tubes as tourniquets so he doesn't bleed out, so he can feed him to his own dog. Right, so then you just see Elijah Wood, with no arms, no legs. He is pretty
1: much... Lieutenant Dan Plus at this point because he's missing extra <laughs> appendages. And he doesn't stop smiling. No. And Elijah Wood is so good when he's not acting, mostly because he's Elijah Wood when he is acting. <laughs> yes. But I like how this dog comes over, starts picking apart his body. And it's great because the dog kind of gets his own little revenge story since Marv punched out the dog earlier.
0: Yep. And then he goes
1: over Pets dog. He's like, hey you're a good boy. This isn't on you, bud. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I punched you in the face earlier. <laughs> If you think
1: this is bad, just wait till you what your producer does later on in life.
0: <laughs> oh
1: no. So Kevin gets eaten by his own dog.
0: Doesn't yeah. stop smiling. Doesn't stop smiling the whole time. It's very creepy. It's great. Now Marva's going to go and confront Cardinal Rourke, who confesses his part in all the murders. It turns out Kevin was the cardinal's ward and the two men ate the prostitutes to consume their souls.
1: Right, so now you have Rutger Hauer, Rutger fucking Hauer, um, Hauer. talking about eating people with Elijah Wood, and I did not realize that I needed to see
0: that. Yeah, and they don't show it. How dare they? I feel like this would have been a perfect Thanksgiving cutaway. (laughs) They should have family guided, just like, oh, I remember the time that I was eating people (laughs) with Elijah Wood. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been so good. Or
1: what you could have done is you could have friendzed it, and you could have just put a torso on Joey's head, and you could have run around that way instead of having a turkey. Nailed it. Completely different episode. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but more interesting.
0: Oh, for sure. More <laughs> questions than he did.
1: Matt LeBlanc running around with a prostitute's torso stuck on
0: his head just so he can get a laugh. I think Matt LeBlanc just calls that Tuesday. That's a good point. Marv kills the Cardinal. He sure does. Uh, But then he gets shot and captured by the Cardinal's guards. Marv is taken to the hospital where cops threaten to kill his mother to get him to confess to killing Rourke, Kevin, and their victims. So Marv, Marv ends up taking the heat for all of it, and he's sentenced to death by electric chair. Wendy comes and visits him on death row, and she's like, hey, thanks for avenging my sister.
1: So we get to see Marv in the electric chair. And you have like the the priest man starting to read his last rites. He's like, Yeah, well, you get on with it. I don't have all night. <laughs> so Which is good. amazing. And I so like how they good. Just flick this switch and he gets electrocuted and he starts spitting up blood after they turn it off. He's like, Oh, you got you pansies. God so damn it. So good. Ricky fucking Mork is <laughs> just absolutely perfect in this movie.
0: Yeah, he is crushing it. Show stealer. So then they zap him again and he finally dies. He finally
1: dies to confirm it. Then we zoom into his eye and we get to see the heart.
0: Yeah, the bed with the bed, heart, with Goldie lying with on Goldie it, Goldie
1: and him lying there. This is now two dead people, or as we call it, Matt LeBlanc's Wednesday. <laughs> oh, no!
0: Uh, I really hope Matt LeBlanc stays alive before this episode releases.
1: <laughs> I hope so, too. Or James Vanderbeek because you have Jay and Silent Pop strike back. Uh, no, 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 I wasn't with any hookers yesterday.
0: <laughs> That's the end of the hard goodbye.
1: We did it. That's another one down.
0: (laughs) Then we move into the big fat kill. Shelly, played by Brittany Murphy, rest in peace, is being harassed by her abusive ex-boyfriend, Jackie Boy, played by Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del fucking Toro. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would even give
1: Brittany fucking Murphy the middle name. Absolutely. She's an absolute treat. It's good to see her again. Yeah. Live. Yeah. And I forgot how good she is in this movie. I
0: agree. I was like, oh, as soon as she came on screen, I was like, oh,
1: man. She keeps the cadence alive too in the dialogue, but she also
0: goes for it. She emotes more than anybody else in this movie. I would have to say that's right, but she is so good. She's extremely good. Jackie Boy is at the door with his goons trying to come in, and Shelly won't let him in because she's hiding her new boyfriend, Dwight McCarthy, played by Clive Owen, doing his best impression of Nick Cage.
1: He really is, and it is definitely an Englishman doing an American accent. And they just lean on that even harder because they're like, we need you to do monologue. Yep. voiceover like the whole time. So good luck, bud. Good
0: luck. It's going to get real interesting. Dwight goes to hide and eventually Shelly has to let Jackie in because he's about to break the door down.
1: Doesn't want that. Doesn't want to make him more mad.
0: No, no. There's no reason for that. So he's trying to show off to the boys or whatever. And, and he ends up hitting Shelly. And that's just that's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. He goes to the bathroom. And guess- shouldn't go
1: to the bathroom after hitting a lady. shouldn't she hit a lady shouldn't. first
0: of all, but right. especially
1: if you do, don't go to the bathroom after.
0: Never go to the bathroom right after hitting a lady. because knock off Nick Cage's <laughs> hiding in there waiting for you. You never know who might be just chilling in the bathtub. So Dwight warns Jackie boy, gets up behind him after he's done peeing, and he, he puts a, a switchblade to his neck and says, Hey, you should leave her alone. And also, I'm going to give you a swirly.
1: I like how his exact line is, "I'm a new boyfriend and I'm crazy." It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> <Yep>. thanks, movie.
0: <laughs> ah, subtext.
1: And then he says, "You made another big mistake. You didn't flush." It's crazy. That's, a great and that's line. when he gives him the swirly. That's, a and you want to, that's the part that really hits home with me because I'm just like, you know what, swirly bad clean toilet not great like we've all dropped stuff in a toilet and you're just like well fuck oh, that's got to get that forever. out forever oh okay. but it's not like not like your own piss is in there like you reach in there real fast you're like i gotta wash my hand for forever uh, day forever unclean <laughs> but whenever you get a swirly in your own piss i can't imagine i feel like that that that's gonna
0: feel human even for a little while worst case scenario well no because we did see marv giving the one guy a swirly with the dookies
1: but we don't know whose dookies it was.
0: Doesn't that make and it I better? I like think that's
1: important for some reason. Like this is like the dookies have been floating there for a little while. They were floaters. Yeah. Who knows how long they've been there for? I don't know. This is fresh. Like that is a warm swirly.
0: So you're saying you're saying you'd prefer the old unknown source dookies to a fresh your own warm pee? I
1: think I might be, especially because it's kind of a health check, too, because if you're down there and, like, you're struggling for air, like, man, my pH level's a little bit low. I need to drink more water.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Well, oh, man, I need to hydrate. Otherwise, this is a situation I'm going to end up in more <laughs> often, and it's not a pleasant one.
1: It's not. It's like, God forbid I ever get self swirled ever again. I at least want to know I'm healthy. All right. But then at the same time, you got ripped torn dodgeball. Why does he drink his own piss? Because it's sterile and it I like the way taste. it tastes. Yeah. So it's yeah, I mean, to eat their own,
0: really. Yeah. I think I'd probably prefer my own than than a stranger's dookie. Personally. That's just it's a me though. Very tricky situation. you just don't know the source of that dookie. And when was the last time you dookied without pee too? two? So there's also piss in there. It's a, it's a, it's two. That's a good point, actually.
1: I just somebody's like, I took a dry shit. It's like,
0: what does that mean? <laughs> How did you do that? So like you pissed first and then flush and then sat down? Right. They call it a poopie. A poopie. <laughs> I love it. You
1: got me like thinking. I think this is like a tomato tomato situation, really. Yeah. There's no winning. This is like a proper, weird, fetishistic Sophie's Choice. <laughs> Uh, She's choosing kids to die. I get that. Yeah. I'm still gonna compare it. I think it's a fair
0: comparison. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe not. I don't know.
1: I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Write in. Tell us if you would rather be swirling <laughs> with stranger shit or your own piss. I feel it feels
0: like a no-brainer to me.
1: No right answers, no wrong answers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're all wrong answers. Jackie Boy and his crew, they flee to Old Town.
1: I like how he like busts out of there. He's like, no questions!
0: No we're questions. <laughs> we just get in the car. We gotta go. Dwight follows, even though Shelly's like, no, don't. Dwight follows, and he's standing like
1: at the ledge of the building. So I guess he just snuck out the window and just stood there. And he's like, I gotta go get him because he dishonored you. Even though I just stuck his I head stuck in his a head goddamn head toilet, in the toilet and threatened him. But now I'm gonna go get him even more. I'm gonna get him harder. I gotta double get him. And I like how. He jumps off the building. Of course. And she yells behind him something that sounds like stop. And he falls in like trash. I don't know. 25 stories below. Yep. And he's like, and he's... good thing for these red converse that we know are red <laughs> in this black and white movie. Or else I'd surely be dead.
0: Yeah. Also, I mean, good thing all that trash was there. That eight bags of trash that saved my fall. Oh, yeah. He gets in his car. He's following them. He He draws the attention of the police, which is not what you want when you're in a. In a heated chase. Right. But Jackie Boy does some sort of weird evasive maneuver, and now all of a sudden the cops are after him instead.
1: Now, you say weird evasive maneuver. I need everyone to keep in mind this is Benicio del fucking Toro. Yes. He's hanging out the window like a dog <laughs> while he's driving and starts swerving the car. He's doing the old Ace No, his windshield's fine. <laughs> I mean, still. Uh, fair enough. Okay, fine. But that's what caused him to swerve. The cop kind of takes off after him, which is also weird for it what is. we're about to learn. But all righty then, we'll get
0: there. <laughs> we get to Old Town, and as soon as they pull in, the cop just stops because cops don't go into Old Town. No,
1: the ladies are the law in Old
0: Town. The ladies are the law. Jackie Boy and his, and his compadres, they start harassing Becky, a young prostitute played by Alexis Bledel. So, you know, Rory Gilmore, the prostitute. Right? It's, <laughs> I always knew It's it. jarring.
1: Well, it's jarring because she's speaking slowly in this.
0: Yeah, you and you can also, actually understand her dialogue. Unlike
1: she's... in Gilmore Girls, where you can't understand a fucking thing <laughs> that any of them say.
0: You gotta watch that, that show on half speed. The show was filmed, more or less, on cocaine. <laughs> That's what makes it so fun. Oh, boy. The prostitute's leader, Gail, played by Rosario Dawson, and Dwight- who are apparently on and off again lovers, we think.
1: Sure, because every character needs to connect somehow.
0: Yeah. They're on the rooftops watching this whole thing unfold, and, and Dwight's like, I got to go down there and save her. And, and Gail's like, no, don't worry, she's fine.
1: She's completely fine, because we got Miho, played by Devin Aoki, on the roof, and she is deadly as all hell. She's just watching the situation. And when Clive Owen saw her walking around, he should just go,
0: yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. All right, situation <laughs> controlled. Everything's under control here. She has a katana. But instead, he
1: keeps looking. He's like, I don't know. I don't know about this situation. I'm, I'm twitching in my red converse here. We know they're red because it's a black-white movie. It's a black-white movie. Us. And everything's red. Is,
0: is actually red. Jackie boy threatens Becky with a gun. And she's like, oh, sweetheart, you just made the worst mistake of your life. And then Miho throws a swastika-shaped ninja star that yep. chops off his hand. Yep. And and then she kills all of his friends in the car by just... By sticking, like, swords through the roof through their heads through the and
1: whatnot. And we're about to get one of the greatest moments that I feel like we've ever discussed on this show. <laughs> it is Benicio Del Toro with his hand cut off, crawling out of the car that he's in, picking up his hand that was holding a gun,
0: and gnawing the gun free from his own fingers. Amazing. Everybody's fingers in this movie are so delicious apparently. And he
1: is just Benicio del Toroing all over the screen.
0: Absolutely, and it is just so good.
1: And this isn't even peak Benicio del Toro yet.
0: It isn't. It's great because Benicio del Toro actually decided on his own that this is how he's going to play this scene. He's like, "No, I want to I want to bite the gun out of my own hand."
1: Oh, it's beautiful. I bet Rodriguez is just like, yeah. Of course, 100%. that's the only answer for this. Yes. There's
0: no other way we're going to do this scene now. You brilliant man. I like how he gets his own gun. He picks it
1: up. He starts pointing it at Becky again, Alexis Bledel. And instead of just firing the trigger, he starts talking because that's what this movie does. Absolutely. In all situations. It was
0: his turn to talk, so.
1: It was his turn to talk. And I like how, was it Miho threw something into the gun and like backed it up? In yes. Yes. And I like how Clive Owen's also sitting there. He's like, hey, don't fire that, Jackie boy. It's going to backfire. And he goes, fuck you. And he fires it. And (laughs) the barrel comes off, hits him in the forehead. And now he's got like gun bits in his head. And then he falls down and lands on the swastika star. So now you have a dead Benicio del Toro with part of a gun sticking out of his dome with a swastika star up his ass and no hand.
0: It's a beautiful thing.
1: It is a beautiful thing. It's
0: absolutely uh, poetic is what it is. It's something. (laughs) Naturally, the women of Old Town are going to start looting the men's corpses. And that's when they find out that Jackie Boy is actually Detective Lieutenant Jack Rafferty of the Basin City Police.
1: Brittany Murphy wasn't saying
0: stop. She was saying he's a cop. A hero cop at that.
1: Which I can't fathom, just because of everything that Benicio (laughs) Del Toro has showed us so far.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, something there doesn't add up. But then again, Sin City. Very fair. If the police learn how he died, their truce with the prostitutes would end and the mob would be free to wage war in Old Town again. They got to get rid of the bodies. So Dwight comes up with a great idea. He's going to take the bodies to the tar pits and dump them before the police can arrive. Of course, nobody wants him to do that, but he's like, I'm going to do it. So they're like, all right, fine. They get
1: him a car. They have to put three of the bodies in the back. Well, Neho has to
0: dismember them. That's right
1: also. But then... For whatever reason, they couldn't lay him across the back seat where he wouldn't be seen. (laughs) But they put Jackie boy, Benicio del Toro, his corpse sitting in the front seat with the gun sticking out of his forehead still. And Robert Rodriguez had a light bulb go off over his head. And we know that (laughs) because I'd assume it was just bright yellow, just like a cartoon in this black (laughs) and white movie as it goes off. And he says, you want to know what this scene needs? It needs Quentin Tarantino to direct it.
0: Oh, it sure as hell does.
1: And holy hell, does Tarantino direct the hell
0: out of the scene? Absolutely. I guess what happened was Rodriguez had done some scoring for some movie that Tarantino did for a dollar, and part of their arrangement was, all right, I will come direct a scene for one of your movies, also for a dollar, and then you it's know a good we'll, we'll be square. Also, Tarantino got the benefit of finally getting to use a digital camera because he's like, I want to see what these things are all about. Because he's he's staunchly a film director.
1: He is, and this was like a good chance for him to say, like, Hey, not my movie, not my baby. I'll just go right. for it here. We'll see what these things can do. And oh boy, does he go for it! And he got gold
0: all around, all around. What I mean, what a scene to give up to Tarantino. First of all,
1: God, I I would have to imagine like in the dailies, Robert Rodriguez is just sitting there, just going like, Well.
0: Better go hang myself. Oh, wow. Wasted an opportunity here. Should we just let him do the whole movie, Frank? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) this is really good.
1: (laughs) Why don't you tell us about this scene, Brian?
0: All right. On his way to the tar pits, Dwight is imagining a conversation with Jackie.
1: And the conversation's wild because they did say, why don't you put Jackie out of his misery? Miho takes the sword and, (laughs) to quote Clive Owen, doesn't so much cut off his head but makes him a Pez dispenser, so you can imagine that sword didn't go all the way through. And Benicio Del Toro remembered that, too. He
0: sure did. <laughs> Jackie is taunting Dwight about hearing voices in his head. But whenever he, like, leans back and his throat is is exposed, his entire voice changes into something that's more like this.
1: Oh, God, it's, it's so, so good. Because he
0: starts talking like he's ugly. He goes down and talks, and then he's back up. It's amazing.
1: It is just amazing to watch.
0: Give me more Benicio Del Toro and Quentin Tarantino combo bladders, please. Yes, please. I'll order that any day. It also turns out that the car that the girls of Old Town gave Old Dwight is nearly out of gas. Not great. So he starts to panic a little bit, and then things get worse because a cop is now behind them, and the lights are on, and Jackie's like, oh, you better pull over. He's getting mad. great.
1: So Clive Owen slams on the brakes. Jackie Boy hits his head on the dashboard, so the gun bit goes farther into his head, and he's just leaning up against the front. This cop's gonna come over, and shine a flashlight. And Clive Owen's like, I'm the designated driver. Ignore that corpse. <laughs> yeah don't that, look. That's there. my
0: drunk buddy with a he's part unicorn.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, you never got drunk with a unicorn? You fucking prude. Uh,
0: but you've never been run over by a Cadillac either. <laughs>
1: This is why I killed the priest earlier. Just, I had to be done. He's ruining <laughs> Sin Space and City. Almost said Sin City, because the sign. You nearly Whoops. got me there, copper.
0: The cop's like, all right, well, right, I'm going to give you a warning, because your lights out. <laughs> right? You and your furry friend. The whole time Dwight, say, Dwight has his hand on a gun, like, do I kill this cop? Do I do this? I don't know. The answer should be yes, it's one cop. <laughs> and clearly it's never stopped you before. Right? I mean- You've already done it once today. You're in enough
1: trouble. I can't imagine that the penalty for killing two cops is worse than the penalty for killing one cop. I have to imagine. It's it's probably worse. Just longer. That's all the penalty is. It's just longer. It's the same thing for longer.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) But he gets off with a warning. Dwight arrives at the tar pits, obviously out of gas and has to single-handedly push the car up this hill. I always imagined tar pits would be downhill, but he's got to push the car uphill. Sure. And then he gets attacked by an explosives-obsessed mercenary, played by Tommy Flanagan. Tommy
1: fucking Flanagan.
0: Always Tommy fucking Flanagan. I've so never good seen in him in something does. that I was like,
1: uh, oh, he was okay. If you don't know him, Google him, you'll go, oh, him. Oh, the guy with the face. Got it. The yeah. guy I say fucking for, even though I didn't know his name until just that guy. <laughs> He's so good.
0: It's amazing. Dwight gets thrown into the tar pit, and he nearly drowns in there before Miho finally saves him. And then the mercenaries, they flee, and they have Jackie Boy's severed head with them. And, and Dwight and Miho are like, well, you can't go anywhere with that. We, we need that. Right. We need that head, I, I guess. And Tommy Flanagan jumps down into the sewers, and Dwight follows him because got to get that head. So Dwight goes down to the sewer. Tommy
1: Flanagan's sitting there going like, ah, you know, I got a gun. I don't like using it. I like exploding things. So he, says, he pushes the button on a remote, and sure enough, there happens to be a bomb sitting right next to Dwight. So he goes flying, and then he wakes up, I guess, because bombs don't do anything. Everyone's immortal until they're not. They just movie. make people splashy. And Tommy is like, I'm going to use this knife on you. And then Miho's like, well, I got a bigger fucking knife. Silent little Miho. <laughs> That's just not enough.
0: <laughs> exactly. And they get the head, and they're out of there now. We got the head back. We got the head back. While all of this is happening, Manute, played by Michael fucking Clark fucking Duncan, has kidnapped Gale. Right, because I forgot Gail existed. Right, Gail is like the person who runs Old Town. And now she's she's being captured by Michael Clark Duncan and tied up. Even though knots are her specialty, now she's tied up. It turns out that Becky, when threatened with the death of her mother by the mob, she betrayed all the other prostitutes. You know, classic Rory. Classic move! Menu. he prepares the mob's invasion of Old Town. He's like, all right, well, got you all captured now the other prostitutes are, are useless right because I have the the leader that's how that works <laughs> that's exactly how it works
1: not any one of these entrepreneurs here they don't want to go out on their own they since they don't have their queen pee
0: they don't feel They're like it's like anymore. oh they got Rosario Dawson I guess we'll just stand on these rooftops and do nothing I guess I'm gonna go be a barista now <laughs> Dwight arrives in time, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna trade Jackie Boy's head for Gale's freedom." Because once again, I think we might have an on again, off again relationship kind of thing, but it's not really. Said. Who knows? Who knows?
1: This movie doesn't care. Neither should we.
0: But Becky is like, "Something's different about that head. I don't know what it is." But they it make could the be the tape over the mouth. <laughs> they make the trade, and then she's like, "Oh, it didn't have tape on the mouth before." And then, of course, all of those beautiful explosives that Tommy Flanagan had are now in Jackie Boy's head. White detonates it, destroying both the evidence and Gail's captors. Then of course all the other prostitutes gun down the mobsters because they're like, Oh right, Gail. She's free now. Now we can shoot. And they're on
1: the rooftops like firing into this alley. You have to imagine the cartridges going out of there.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, how is there no collateral damage here? Becky just gets like shot in the arm and then hides in a gutter and she's fine. So Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's that's basically it there.
1: A lot happens there, huh? It's basically Benicio Del Toro just putting
0: on a show. Absolutely. For a long time. A clinic. And Clive Owen trying to pacify that show. (laughs) And also maybe think about trying to steal the Declaration of Independence.
1: (laughs) Knockoff version of it. Clive Owen would be trying to steal the weird gift shop uh, (laughs) one that Nick Cage ends up buying. Right. (laughs) I can't believe I didn't know I needed that movie until now. (laughs)
0: i'm going to steal a print of the declaration of independence oh my
1: god with like i don't know like ed sheeran or taron egerton as his riley yes or something like that it's got to be like a younger britishman yeah and in the end they just end up (laughs) buying
0: it on etsy instead
1: right and it turns out that's not even that it's it's just like a map of australia oh this is the magna carta this isn't what we wanted (laughs) It's a, it's the real Magna Carta. Right. It's the very important one. to note that it's the real yeah. Magna Carta. And there's like a map on the back
0: and they're like, I don't care about that.
1: <laughs> better movie. Not the National Treasure. I like National Treasure. Okay. But better than what? I'm confused. Than I don't know, the fake movie we we're discussing before.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I like <laughs> one version of it at least. <laughs> That's going to bring us to that yellow bastard part 2. They bookended this bitch. That's right. We're continuing a story that we already started earlier. Hartigan, you might remember him as Bruce Willies. He's recovering in a hospital because he didn't get got by Bob. He's alive. He got shot so many times, and a comical can't. amount of times.
1: And he's just like, Bruce Willies. Do you know who least bought this scene? The Squib guy. He's like, there's no way. There's no way. I put so many squibs on that guy. This is bullshit, Robert. I will not work with you on John Carter. Robert went, all right. (laughs) Guy's never worked a day since.
0: It's unfortunate.
1: You're a squib guy. Best keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Squib guys are on blast.
0: Not afraid to say it.
1: Not afraid. I've always wanted to be squibbed. It looks like so much fun. That's just like a dream in life of, I want to get
0: squibbed. Not like proper shot. Right. I want to get fake shot. Yeah, squib me up. So while Hardigan is recovering, Senator Rourke shows up. Still Powers Booth, still awesome name. And he tells him that Junior is in a coma and that the Rourke legacy is in serious jeopardy because he shot him in the gonads. Yeah, it's not a great place to shoot somebody. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was like an entire episode of South Park where they're like, no, Kenny, don't shoot him there. <laughs> Sanderork pays for Hardigan's heart surgery just so that he can stand trial for what he did to Junior. And that is I love it. That's fuck you money.
1: That is fuck you sadistic money. He says, "I'm going to fix you up. We're going to make you all better. We're going to get that heart issue fixed just so you can serve time. Yeah, just so you can
0: stay alive and think about what you did." I want you
1: to go to jail for a
0: very long time.
1: And also, yeah. we're going to pin all of Junior's horrible horrible crimes
0: on you. And if you ever try to tell anybody the truth, We'll kill him.
1: And Harvey Weinstein, at this point, had a light bulb above his head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Senator Rourke is the good guy. That's what I could do. (laughs) (laughs) Senator Rourke is the good guy in Harvey Weinstein's mind. Harvey Weinstein needs to rot in hell for forever. Forever and ever. Forever and
0: ever. A grateful Nancy is visiting and she promises to write letters every week while Hardigan is in prison. And Hardigan's like, Hey, don't do that, because you're gonna be that in is danger. incriminating.
1: And they're gonna know who you are and they've already wanted to rape and off you once and you're eleven. Don't don't be here yeah. now, ever. This, don't do it.
0: This seems like a bad idea. She's like, No, it's fine. I'll use a pseudonym Cordelia.
1: <laughs> oh my and God. And then Bruce
0: Wills is like, Oh that's a good idea actually. Do that.
1: <laughs> I'm a hero cop who's pushing sixty and You know, is about to retire. I'm an hour away. I'm getting too old for this
0: shit. (laughs) Cornelia, great idea. Love it. They'll never be able to trace that. Hardigan goes to jail even though he refuses to confess, and he does receive his weekly letter from Nancy, as promised. But after eight years, the letters suddenly stop, and he receives a severed finger instead. Not what
1: you want when you're expecting a letter.
0: Generally, like if you're having regular communication with somebody and they stop for a little while, you're like, "All right, they're busy." And then you get a severed finger. You're like, "Oh, great! Now I have to find
1: the hand, the Uh, four-fingered hand, the rest of the hand." One, yeah. This movie has a lot of weird tropes that it establishes within itself of how you have hands that get eaten or fingers gone or hands removed. Yeah, Uh, junk area is not safe. Not at at all.
0: all. The lower hand.
1: Yeah, the low, your lower hand will get fingers shot off of it. Yep. It's like a three-fingered hand down there at all times. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one more finger than Janitor and Scrub said because his wife had pinky thumb. Right, pinky That's thumb. That's she sewed the jorts. <laughs> and this one has just one other finger. <laughs> and we also have Brittany Daniel. Uh, Brittany Daniel. Brittany Daniels, the chick from Joe Dirt, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brittany Murphy. How she said, like, I'm going to cut your pecker off and stuff like that. And just all the junk is just always... In danger. The junk is never safe. There are so many weird tropes just strewn about this. You also have the mother in danger. I should I should mention that one too. Right, but never on so screen in danger. Never on screen. So there are just so many weird tropes between all these stories. They somehow connect it's always, in those weird I'm, ways. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna cut your hand off and then cut your pecker off and then put it in your hand and then feed it to your mother. Exactly. Nailed it. And your mother's might not exist. We don't know. Who knows? Your off screen mother. So now Hardigan, he's like, oh boy, finger. Got to figure this out. He confesses to all the charges, which means they let him out of prison? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know, I don't know how he pulls this trick, but
1: it's good know. for him.
0: He goes searching for now adult Nancy, not knowing he's being followed by a deformed yellow man.
1: I don't know how. I get you're in prison for eight years and that you're probably rusty, but I mean, even this, you'd see... That man following you. He glows in the dark. He sure does. You're in a black and white world. And this man (laughs) is yellow and bald.
0: And he apparently smells
1: terrible. Undetectable. I mean, he realistically just blends right in. He might as well have a red cap on Incredible Hulk style.
0: Yes, exactly. Everybody knows that's how you go incognito. That is an old reference from this show.
1: (laughs) That episode is so long ago. Oh, yeah. We've seen so many other hats and disguises since then, and that's always the one that pops right to the forefront of the mind.
0: I think it's because it's the most ridiculous of the disguises. Is it because they made such a big deal in Incredible Hulk? I
1: need to blend in. I think so. You give that boy a hat. No one (laughs) will (laughs) know. Quick, a hoodie and a hat. Well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? God, he's
0: invisible. Seems like we should probably revisit that at some point.
1: I think there's a few things we need to revisit. and We've gotten some requests for revisits, though. We've gotten a request for that. Oh. Uh, We got OG Spider-Man. Okay. And Batman 89. So, you know, our first episodes where we didn't have a fucking clue what we were doing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense that people would want us to revisit those and do it right. Maybe.
1: Probably we'll get
0: there. That sounds like a good idea. I like it. So Hardigan is going to track down Nancy at Katie's Bar, where she has become an exotic dancer and a Jessica Alba.
1: A lot of mixed emotions here. Yeah. You're a man who's been in prison for eight years. Your cell has four cells, like four cell walls around it. You don't have a proper wall like like Ricky Mork got away with. (laughs) Just caged in. And when you see a Jessica Alba,
0: you're just like, well, now what do I do? Well, what am I supposed to do with this
1: information?
0: (laughs) Dave, I have an actual IMDb trivia fact for you. I bet you do. Jessica Alba went to strip clubs as part of her research for her character. However, she said that it didn't help because all of the professional strippers were doing is trying to get tips. So she didn't want to go method. I guess I don't know. It's she went to the strip club to do research and she couldn't get any information because (laughs) the strippers were just looking for tips. That's very fair. And Jessica Alba (laughs) is very strict that she will not do nude
1: scenes. Right. And she told Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller that for this. She says, and her well, her reasoning for it is that she doesn't want to have a weird Christmas. With her grandparents, which if is, they see her work. Which, you know what? Sure. I get it. It's all you need to say. But she approached them and said, I'm not doing the nude scene, to which they said, doesn't have anything to do with the story? You got it. Exactly. And Harvey Weinstein cried for a week. Without a doubt, he did. <laughs> but I just love how she approached the directors. Oh, yeah. Said what you need to
0: say. The directors respected her. Said, this yeah. has nothing to do with the story? That's totally fine. She walked up to them and said, hey, I didn't look at the source material before I auditioned. I'm not doing the thing that's in the book. And they're like, that's fine. We don't need you to do it. But I just love how you
1: have that give and take with the actor director. Yeah. That she has the trust in them. They have the trust in her. Like, that's
0: the way it should be. Exactly. And what I actually really appreciate about it is that the guy who wrote the source material was the one who was like, yeah, no, it's not important. Perfect. Like, you can't go to any, like, they can't go to Weinstein. He can't be like, oh, we'll talk to the the person who wrote it because maybe he has something to say about why it's necessary (laughs) because it's literally the guy. I love that so much. It's fantastic. Hardigan's going to realize that he's been set up to lead the yellow man to (laughs) Nancy.
1: And we know that because the yellow man is sitting in a booth in the corner.
0: (laughs) I believe the (laughs) word is conspicuous. Oh, that's right. Just (laughs) extremely conspicuous. Blends right in being all yellow (laughs) in this black (laughs) and white world. So Hardigan tries to leave the bar before Nancy recognizes him, but it's too late. She jumps off the stage and she kisses him passionately. Mixed feelings here. Mixed feelings. They leave together in her car.
1: That's a little weird here because Hardigan is like 67, 68 years old. Yeah. (laughs) According to the story, even though it's Bruce Willis doesn't look a day over. I don't know. He's looked like he's mid-50s for
0: the last 40 years. (laughs) But she's 19. Right. And it's weird. And the last time you saw her, she was 11. She was 11. But they've
1: been writing, so. That'll do it every (laughs) single time. It won't. Those Those good
0: ideas. Those prison letters. (laughs) So the yellow guy, he's going to follow them. And naturally, he's going to start shooting at their car. Hardigan returns fire, wounding him, and then causing him to crash his car. So Nancy and Hardigan, they go back to examine the accident. But the yellow guy is missing. It's just a stinky blood. They're just like, ah, man, it reeks over here. That's a smell that I would definitely recognize if it was near me. But he's not here anymore. So nope. He's got stinky yellow blood leaking out of his neck. He's not here.
1: Wonder where he could be? Not here though. Let's
0: go. Let's go. They get back in their car, and wouldn't you know it? He's secretly hiding in the back of the car, and they don't—they don't smell him or nothing. It's a really,
1: really good pine tree air freshener. <laughs> sitting in the front, it has to be. It's got to be a no fresh explanation. One for sure. No, 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 Nancy, don't pull the whole thing off. God damn it. Oh, it's gonna
0: stink like a pine tree Overwhelming. You gotta you gotta slowly pull the, the plastic, but I don't like the way it looks. I don't it care if you don't wear it, it. You
1: never pull the full thing off, Nancy. Oh. You're still a child. You're still <laughs> just eleven-year-old Nancy who I have to rescue from getting murdered and raped. And not
0: in that order. And also rescue from an overwhelming smelling car. <laughs> The two of them go to a motel where Nancy confesses her love for Hardigan. And Hardigan's like, Yeah, well, uh, same, but also no. There's a 49 year age difference between us, and that's kind of weird. And Dave, I have another actual IMDb trivia fact.
1: I'm actually genuinely curious <laughs> about this one.
0: At one point, Hardigan resists Nancy's advances, saying, I'm old enough to be your grandfather. While Hardigan, age 68, is old enough to be the grandfather of Nancy, age 19. In real life, Bruce Willis and Jessica Alba are only twenty six years apart in age. Why would you even bring that
1: up? Uh, what is I'm surprised I didn't finish by saying like realistically, a grandfather at twenty six is really difficult to do.
0: <laughs> right? Uh missed opportunity, I'm be factor. You could have could have brought it be Albeit step, not
1: impossible, just really difficult to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is one
1: case in <laughs> <laughs> in Alabama. Yes, they're siblings, but it still counts. Still counts. We don't have any blisters in Alabama. You don't think, right? I don't know. Not anymore. Well, this is the hard way to find out, isn't it?
0: <laughs> so yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. If you're that.
1: from Alabama, stop touching your sister right in, say hi <laughs> so we know that
0: we have blisters in Alabama. Oh dear. <laughs>
1: I want to know, so we can stop the Alabama jokes if we have to. Right. We can always move over to Mississippi. We can. It's a whole other state.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Now we've abandoned two states.
1: That being said, if you're from Mississippi, write in. Let us know. Then we'll go back to Alabama.
0: (laughs) We could just be back and forth. I love this idea.
1: And then if both states write in, they're like, hey, man, stop it. Me and my sister are very happy together. (laughs) Go talk about Florida for a little while. We will, because that's just fair game down there. Oh, you do whatever Florida. you want.
0: Oh, yeah. There's no rules when it comes to Florida, much like in Florida. <laughs> exactly. I wish I had Florida Man stuff right now. I sincerely do. It would I be don't. It would be a perfect segue, but.
1: I'll quickly Google one just so we we could say we did it. All right, yeah. Just to say we did I it. I like it. Uh, from the Independent? Florida man arrested for allegedly trying to throw alligator onto cocktail lounge roof to, quote, teach it lesson. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect.
0: That was, wow. First try.
1: Oh, God. Hold on. From the Free Press of Tampa. Florida man arrested pleasuring with a pickle in the most peculiar place.
0: (laughs) What, like the back of a Volkswagen?
1: (laughs) That is a fantastic reference. <laughs> oh, God. The Guardian. This is only 12 hours old from the day we're recording this thing. Florida man washes shore after trying to walk to New York in bubble <laughs> device. <laughs> oh, the, I'm going down a rabbit the hole The gift here. that keeps giving. And weirdly, to keep the theme going, one last one here. Just because it popped up way too quickly. Florida man is upset he received two replicas of Joe Jonas's hands in the mail.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's too perfect. Was he perfect. expecting the real
1: thing? Did he go like, I just watched Sin City. Will somebody please mail me hands?
0: <laughs> Get me Joe Jonas's hands. He thought he had the real ones until the second pair showed up. <laughs> He's like, this is two lefts.
1: This is a fraud.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. Last I checked, just he only has one pair set. of hands. <laughs>
1: Oh, that would be so perfect. If you're Joe Jonas and you're listening to this, <laughs> write it. To let
0: us know if these are your real hands. You can, you can use talk to text if you need to. <laughs> or maybe you've gotten really good with typing with your feet.
1: I don't know. I don't know, Joe Jonas. I don't know what you do. Stop sending your hands in the mail. <laughs> uh, I did not read that article because so I don't want to know what he wants to do with Joe Jonas's replica hands. I would rather I don't not know. know. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah.
0: On that note, I hadn't really thought about the age difference. Like, I, I was like, okay, it's gross that there's a 19-year-old making out with a 68-year-old. But I hadn't really factored in the age difference in the actors until after this IMDb fact. And now now I was, I'm weirded out by that, too. There's 26 years between them. That's, that's weird.
1: All right. Teach their own, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird.
1: There's a lot of star power in this movie. All I see is Bruce
0: Willis, Jessica Alba. That's fair. It's distracting. That is fair. The yellow guy, he's going to surprise him. He's going to pop up and be like, hey, guys, it's me, Junior. What? <laughs> it turns out my skin tone and my misshapen appearance are due to experiments procedures that my dad, Senator Rourke, still Powers Booth, still awesome name, he put me through to regrow my genitals so I could, you know, make more Rourkes. Uh, Yeah, because he's supposed to be
1: like the heir to the Rourke throne or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's how the Senate works.
0: Yeah. Senator Rourke was like, he could be president one day, and now he doesn't have balls. <laughs> so Junior hangs hard again by a noose, and he, and he takes Nancy back to the farm. After, like, injects her with yellow. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is, but I imagine it smells terrible. And all Bruce Willis says is, don't scream while
1: he's trying to keep himself up on this table whatnot. Right. It doesn't even matter. He's, like, on his tippy toes, because then Junior just kicks it out anyway, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. All Fuck right. it yes i'm gonna die now also fade to black now cut back and he's like no,
0: no tighten your neck. tighten your neck old man ah <laughs> oh, that's all that's all you need to do to not hang it's just right it just, start swinging uh, just in random direction maybe there's an alarm on the window <laughs> what kind of thought is that then you just gotta clench your neck until somebody arrives to to see who broke into the motel you're in a motel.
1: So I'm pretty sure the rules state like when you sign oh, you can't possibly sign anything whatever you say the motel. <laughs> I I'd have to imagine that when the window breaks, they're just like, yeah, probably someone fucking hanging again. Whatever. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, to change his mind last second. Typical.
1: Uh and hey Frank, you said you wanted to install those chandeliers. So you're like, no, we don't have to. This is a garbage motel in Sin City. It's human chandeliers, baby. Get that Kevin kid over here. Tell him to start gnawing. We'll just put light bulbs in them. It'll be great. It's like a, a disco Bruce.
0: <laughs> oh God, that's terrifying, and yet provides a decent. You're saying atmosphere. you wouldn't
1: want a disco Bruce?
0: Oh, hanging from your dining room. Oh, I've I've always wanted a disco Bruce.
1: <laughs> Not the weirdest Thanksgiving you could have. Close. It's way up there. Don't get me wrong. But there's weird. I'd have to imagine like one pops out right where you're like. No, nah, even with the disco Bruce, that's not getting fixed.
0: Nobody told me to broom her.
1: <laughs> we should talk about OG Spider-Man again one day. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Hardigan after he he knocks out the window, he miraculously catches a shard of glass and he cuts himself free from his face. He nose. caught it like in his feet, and he's like in his feet. Well that's convenient. Like Joe Jonas. <laughs> right. Couldn't use his hands, so he had to cut himself free with his, his feet and glass. You want to know be weird to say what is Joe Jonas
1: in Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky Bobby? Yeah, there's that one line of Wilfer <laughs> holding up, and he's like, "I don't know what to do with my hands." And Joe Jonas would just be like, "What do I say here? <laughs> is there anything else I could use in place of like? What do we do?
0: What do I do with this line? I don't know what to do with this line." <laughs> Couldn't you guys just cast somebody who had hands? That guy in Florida
1: has mine. Might have replicas. We don't know. And I don't even know what replica hands would even look like or where you order them from or anything. I'm not Googling
0: it. That's going to be weird. Do you think like that he actually went and had molds made of his hands? Or is this just somebody selling random hands claiming them to be Joe <laughs> Jonas's? Of all the people you could pick. All right.
1: <laughs> Listen up. This is a pitch meeting. I need names of whose replica hands we're going to do. All right, Brad Pitt. No one's going to believe that. Come on. Way too big of a name. Brad Pitt doesn't sell his hands. John Leguizamo. Nope, we need bigger than that. That's <laughs> We need to go up. That's, we've got our that's A. Too we've believable. got our C.
0: Let's find that B. That's solid B. I said replica hands. Leguizamo <laughs> would give us his actual hands <laughs> if we pay him right.
1: Oh god, can you imagine that? It's like, these are the hands that were seen in the Super Mario Brothers movie. (laughs) And you want to know what's fun to say about that reference? What's that? We'll get there.
0: We will, won't we?
1: But right now, let's not worry about ABC list hands. Let's move
0: on. Move on. We're doing great. No, I really am curious if you think Joe Jonas is the average between Brad Pitt and John Leguizamo. Yes.
1: All right. If you look at him, yes. That checks out. He's a good-looking boy, but there's something a little fucky about him. So you're just like, that's the Leguizamo showing through.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Bruce Willis cuts himself free, and he's going to head to the farm. I forgot we were still talking about Sin
1: City. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: all true. All that's true. Uh, Junior at the farm, he's whipping Nancy, trying to get her to scream. And she instead is like, ha, you can't get it up unless I scream. You're pathetic.
1: Which isn't great because you have like this pot-bellied yellow bastard just sitting there, just whipping you about. And then outside, we get to see Kevin. He's still alive because time doesn't matter in this movie, and it's an anthology. Just do whatever you want. Do whatever
0: you want. But Bruce Willis sneaks in. He does. Well, I wouldn't call it sneaking so much as he just starts killing police officers who are standing guard.
1: That's true. He says it's a messy way to do it, but it's effective and
0: quiet. So he starts sl- slitting throats and cracking necks, and you're in, man. And then yeah, you're in. He gets into the barn and he's like, "All right, Junior, I'm going to confront you. This is me confronting you. We're doing it. This is a confrontation scene, Junior." And Junior's like, "I got the girl and a knife, and I'm going to make her scream in a bad way, which is going to in turn be a good way for me." That's right. So now listen here, Bruce Willis. When she screams,
1: I'm able to get my robotic penis to <laughs> enlarge, to enlarge with the yellow.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's sound based. <laughs> It's like, Alexa, please get hard. (laughs) That's
1: exactly how it goes. (laughs) I couldn't understand. I said, Alexa, please get hard. (laughs) Ordering jar of
0: pickles. Close enough. (laughs) We'll make it work. (laughs) Alexa, please scream. Oh, I hope that works. And I hope there are people listening, like, with speakers. And all of a sudden, Alexa is just screaming.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that what happened was after that line was uttered in the movie, Alexa, please scream. Then Joaquin Phoenix is like, "I have an idea, <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this movie called Her, <laughs> where I fall in love with a robot lady. Yeah. It would be perfect."
0: All it took was hearing Alexa scream one time. <laughs>
1: Weird. Joaquin Phoenix just whispering in Siri, "Can you please scream?" They use Siri in that they couldn't get Bezos was in space already doing the space stuff. <laughs> Siri. Please scream. I need you to scream. And Scarlett Johansson series just like, this is fuck, dude. I don't like this.
0: Wait, so I can just stand in a booth and do this whole movie? I don't actually have to see him? <laughs> All right, I'll do it. How much does it pay?
1: Joaquin's very method. I don't want to be near him.
0: <laughs> you can record my lines and actually play them to him on a phone. He'll enjoy that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, it's going to be awful. Speaking of, of that, actually, which is a weird segue, but- Mickey Rourke and Elijah Wood never actually met until this movie was released because of the way they shot it. Which is insane to me. It's wild. Like, doing press is when they finally met, even though there's scenes of them together killing each other. Right! One feeds the other to a dog! Yeah, and one, the unlikely one, hits the other one with a sledgehammer. It's so confusing. You wouldn't expect any of this to work out the way that it does. Or to look as good as it does. In those circumstances, we will get there back to the confrontation between between junior and hartigan so hartigan's going to fake a heart attack to get junior closer to him and he's going to stab him in the chest
1: right and at this point junior's holding up a knife also cuz he's you know threatening the lady right. that's what they do so then bruce willie says i took away his weapon got the knife out of his hands then he says i took away his other one and then he physically rips his penis off of him and we, yes, see and we see it. the yellow junk the in the Bruce Willis head.
0: Elasticy, yellow, just. And I,
1: I just want to ask Bruce Willis, what did it feel like? <laughs> I'm so curious. The special <laughs> effect of what did this feel like?
0: If you had one question for Bruce Willis, do you think that would be it? Like Any, any Q&A, any time, you're like, Bruce Willis, I have to know. What was it like filming Sin City, ripping off Nick Stahl's yellow junk? It would definitely be like top two. Okay,
1: because I'd imagine I'd f- find something from the Fifth Element that I want to ask <laughs> about more. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> definitely top two though.
0: Yeah, I'm so curious. So after he rips off his balls, he starts just punching him in the head like repeatedly until he's just punching the ground and just. Yeah, that's typically when you should probably stop. Big old the yellow head. splatter what in front of him, and Nancy. Yeah, Nancy just loves it, which is weird. It's extremely weird.
1: <laughs> he gets off on me screaming i get off on him not screaming i don't know it's sin city baby we all got our
0: quirks (laughs) we've all got our things that do it for us mine is just a pile of yellow blood i didn't mean to talk
1: to you about that nancy can you please write me a letter and guys it's been so long
0: 45 years my senior at least uh can
1: i call you cordelia this isn't working.
0: <laughs> yeah, I fell in love with your pseudonym, not not you, Nance. Sorry. <laughs> Hardigan sends her home. He tells her he's going to wait for the police so that he can give them the true story and reveal Rourke's corruption once and for all. And Nancy's like, "All right, see you at home." All right, bye. And she she takes off, and and Hardigan's like, "Here's the deal, me, because self monologue <laughs> per use." He knows that as long as he's alive, Rourke is going to come after him and Nancy to get revenge for Junior's death. So to sever Senator Rourke's only lead on Nancy, he shoots himself in the dome. jarn, he just drops down. He's all dedikins now. Yep, and we get that line again. An old man dies, a young woman lives. Fair trade. He could have just gone after Rourke. I feel like that's the obvious choice, but... A sequel was not insured at this point. They would have to do some serious shenanigans to bring all these actors back for the sequel. Even though it's I mean, it based on source material. Can't do that, actually. That checks out. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is like, we're going to change the ending. Don't tell friends. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> sit next to me? God. Uh, can I come back to the DGA just for this last scene? Every time I try to change something, the guy who wrote it is sitting right next to me. <laughs> and then we get one final act. The customer is always right. Part two. An injured Becky, Alexis Bledel is departing the hospital, talking on the cell phone to her mother, which, again, what year? I don't know when this takes place, but... I don't know. she got a cell phone, though. In the elevator, she encounters the salesman again, Josh Hartnett, and he's dressed as a doctor. She definitely clocks him. Oh, yeah. As someone she does not want to be around. She's like, this guy looks for me. Ah, oh, shit, the elevator door closed. I know who he is. He offers her a cigarette, calling her by name, and then when she's like, all right, Mom, gotta go. And that's the movie. That is the movie. You have to imagine it's curtains for her. You would imagine. But it is curtains on this
1: movie, Sin City 2005, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller. This is a trip,
0: man. It is an experience for sure.
1: I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did this
0: time. I agree. I kind of went in going like, we'll see how this holds up. And I I think it, it holds up pretty well.
1: Well, 300 doesn't hold up at all, in my opinion.
0: Like, that is a chore to get I think that's where my expectations were coming from.
1: But Robert Rodriguez said, slow motion, yeah, we're good. Let's just keep this thing moving on full tilt. And they did that, and it works. And it's done in the same style that Zack Snyder did 300, where he used a lot of the actual panels from the comic as the source material, as their storyboard. Right. But the difference is, is that Robert Rodriguez didn't use slow motion. Exactly. There's nothing to take you out of what's happening. He sets his style and his tone so early on and his pacing so early on and the cadence of the dialogue so early on that this movie just works. Absolutely. The I'm going to call it the third act, the whole Bruce Willis return part. Yes. It is slow.
0: I agree, but I think it works. So I feel like if it was rushed, it wouldn't feel as important to the entire story.
1: I don't know if it's important as much as it's a bookend. More than anything. That That's it's, fair. it's able to wrap up an anthology in a clean way. Yeah. But it feels slow. It might be because we've already been here in a, in a lot of ways. That could so be it. We've already lived this story for enough time right. that it was really interesting to see the Marv story. It was really interesting to see the Dwight story. Now you're just bringing back another story that we
0: already saw. It's like, right.
1: I was kind of okay with the way it ended.
0: Yes, but they also really amped it up in the second go. Like the first time, it was just, it was a very. Down to earth, like, okay, this is a story about a cop who does his job, blah, blah, blah. The second time, they're bringing in, like, this deformed creature, and I don't know. I feel like they changed enough in the second act of of that story to make it to still worth make it revisiting. Sure.
1: Okay. I'll give you that. I'm going to have to ask you this now, though. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, 1-100. What are you thinking? 69. Nice. Nice. 77. Ooh, okay. An audience score is 78. All right. So that is right in the sweet spot. That is. Roger Ebert did see this movie. Oh, good. And he said, I wish I only had four fingers, all thumbs, all up. Oh, wow. Four out of four. That's amazing. He says, if film noir was not a genre, but a hard man on mean streets with a lost lovely in his heart and a gat in his gut, his nightmares would look like Sin City. The new movie by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller plays like a convention at the movie museum in Quentin Tarantino's subconscious. (laughs) A-list action stars rub shoulders with snaky villains and sexy wenches. In a city where the streets are always wet, the cars are ragtops and everybody smokes. It's a black and white world except for blood, which is red, eyes which are green, hair which is blonde, and the yellow bastard.
0: Naturally. Naturally.
1: He knew the source material. He I liked absolutely that quite did. a bit. Although the the blood was mostly white, it was mostly white. We'll get there. <laughs> we will. In style and tone, I want to talk about that because that is very cool. Yes. He goes on to say, this isn't an adaptation of a comic book. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. Okay. Dramatic pause. Okay. It's like a comic book brought to life and pumped with steroids. Oh yeah. Agree. Hard agree. It contains characters who occupy stories, but to describe the characters and summarize the stories would be like replacing the weather with a weather map.
0: Yeah, that's what we just did.
1: Pretty much said (laughs) to Brian, who writes the synopsis, good fucking luck, bud. Have Have a blast. Ebert closed by saying, which brings us finally to the question of the movie's period. Skyline suggests the movie is set today. The cars range from the late 1930s through the 1950s to a recent Ferrari. The costumes are from the trench coat and G-string era. I don't think Sin City really has a period because it doesn't really tell a story set in a time and space. It's a visualization of the pulp noir imagination, uncompromising and extreme. Yes,
0: and brilliant. Wow. High praise from the Raj. So much high praise. And and he's right about about the setting and how there's not like a specific period to it. And they show that by by the the fucky things they do with time like when they revisit the yellow bastard portion.
1: Right. And when we've talked about how 1989 Batman is kind of a timeless movie. Exactly. Because it mixes a lot of the different periods so it just feels like it always belongs. Yeah. I feel like this kind of falls into that
0: similar place this is like dick tracy for adults period full stop that's <laughs> you, go you know what that's fine i think you're right <laughs> the
1: john carters on amazon.com <laughs> they gave this thing a 4.6 out of 5 stars Nice. 76 percent are five star four percent or one star i only got one review one from february 12th 2016 was interested in this movie because i like bruce willis and rucker howard I should have just watched The Fifth Element instead. Well, it's hard to argue with that, but... It is really hard to argue with that because The Fifth Element is a fucking masterpiece. Uh, but they're very different movies, so... They are, which is why I abandoned Amazon.com. That's and a good And I idea. decided to pay a, a little bit of a visit to the trolls on Letterboxd.
0: Yay, let's unbox it.
1: So the first one I have, it's a perfect score. I'm going to tell you that we're up to five stars on Letterboxd. Yeah. From May 30th, 2017, they wrote... Sin City ain't shitty, just gritty, lots of titty.
0: <laughs> that's my favorite thing ever.
1: Try reading it with a straight
0: face. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I didn't know that all I wanted in my life was rhyming film reviews, but now. Neither did I. All but I here want.
1: we are. From March 9th, 2020. I'm fresh into quarantine. I'm going to watch Sin City and then write this review, they said pretty much. <laughs> they say. Take a shot every time somebody gets their dick destroyed or mentions a dick getting severed.
0: (laughs) Uh, I imagine that'd kill you.
1: It would ruin you for life. That's for sure. From December 17th, 2020. This screenplay was written by a wallet, chain, and fedora combo that somehow achieved sentience.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. I can't believe how dead on that is. That's funny. Oh my god! (laughs) I can picture it. That's yeah. It's the worst combo imaginable.
1: They naturally gave it a half star from June twenty first, twenty twenty. Vegan alert: A man punches a wolf. Vegan points: A wolf eats quadruple amputee.
0: (laughs) That doesn't make it. That's a very non-vegan wolf.
1: (laughs) I agree. That's why they gave it vegan points. They're doing it wrong, but I, I.
0: I'm following. I'm following their bouncing ball
1: that was removed from them because this movie loves removing balls. Yeah,
0: testicles against uh, the, what is it? (laughs) Testicles for the ethical treatment of animals. Exactly. (laughs) It's a lot like
1: if Tom Green, we got to see the surgery where we got the testicle removed, and then he did a sing-along with said testicle of the Bum Bum song right after it.
0: (laughs) Like a muppetized version of his nut? (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) Wood watch. (laughs) From December 27th, 2020. I'm like, why do I hate this? And then Harvey Weinstein is in the credits. <laughs> Checks out. From June 25th, 2018. It sug the big peen. Like, seriously, don't watch this other garbage. <laughs> it sug, sug the big peen. It sug the big peen. Alright. <laughs> the last one I have. I want you to guess the star rating on this when I say it. Okay. It's from September 17th, 2020. A boner of a movie.
0: That's a half star.
1: <laughs> it's four stars.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Loves boners. Loves this movie. That word can go either way. That's all I got from Letterboxd for this
0: one. I mean, wow. We
1: should probably give this thing a super stuff score. Yeah, it's
0: probably time. Because I think there's discussion to be had. I think you're right. we we'll gonna start off with story motivation.
1: It's an anthology, so it's already tricky to start. Right.
0: It's, it's difficult. There are
1: lots of stories. We get in, we get out. The stories get told. They do get told. Except maybe uh, the, the Josh Hartnett piece. Which is okay. I don't want that to be told. I think it's kind of cool the way that they leave that one a little open-ended.
0: Yeah. Well, apparently they, they shot it before Frank Miller signed on and was like actually giving the okay for Robert Rodriguez to make the movie. And they, they filmed it in like a day in front of a green screen just to show Miller that it could actually work. It worked just fine. And then they were like, you know what? Put it on book in the movie with it. It's perfect.
1: I think I'm going to go point seven five, just because it does do the anthology thing really well. Yeah, I agree. More than anything. The stories in itself are interesting. They're cool to watch. Yeah. But I think being able to pull off an anthology this way to make it cohesive and coherent goes a long way. As you said, with heavy metal, that is just individual stories. Right. Right, this With a very loose thread. This at least
0: connects everything in a, in a way that is satisfying. Right, right. And I think 0.75 is, is good because it, we can't give it a full one because I still have no idea what Clive Owen's motivation is. No idea. At all. It moves us on to hero. There's a lot. There's a lot but there's of heroes. There's also not a lot. But it's, all, it's Sin City, so even your heroes aren't, aren't great. So let's go hero by hero. Okay. In the three main stories we have here. So let's talk about Marv. Let's talk about Marv. Is he a hero? He is an interesting fella. He, he looks weird. He had sex one time, and he was like, all right, I got to kill everybody for this girl.
1: That was so good dame. that I'm going to kill everybody and hope I get hit by a Cadillac.
0: <laughs> so what would you give Marv individually? Uh, probably a .25. All right, we're at a .25. He saves the day, but the day he saves is very small scale.
1: I Agree. Let's talk about Clive Owen. Clive one.
0: Owen. He, if anything, he saves Old Town. Yeah. He's, of, because of his own mistake. Right. He messes up everything, and then All he right, has so to zero. fix it. So that's a zero. And then Bruce Willis does save Nancy. Bruce Willis sacrifices himself twice to save the yeah, same person.
1: I will give him a full-blown point seven five. I almost said a one until I remember. That he
0: made out with the girl. Yeah. 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 So... So I think that averages to like a... Let's just call it a 0.25 call it a day. call it a day. I like it. Villains.
1: The Rorks, for the most
0: part. Yeah, the rorks, The Senator, the Cardinal, and the Yellow Bastard. It's an
1: overarching villain that just kind of rules Sin City itself. And Kevin. The whole middle story is about a cop. It has nothing to do with the Rourkes. I'm going to go with 0.25 again.
0: Yeah. There's Although, such on the back burner. I mean, the Yellow Bastard... He, Nick Stahl, Rourke Jr. He's iconic. He is evil.
1: He is very evil. You know what? His dad's really evil, too, because he does keep Bruce Willis alive just to make him suffer. Yeah, that's that's pretty badass. Yeah.
0: I'm going to go 0.5 total. total. 0.5. I like it. Do we do parents here? Teamwork? I guess it's parents. You know what? It's called a zero either. It's a zero because nobody works together and nobody even mentions parents. They do
1: mention parents. They're all alive. It's all moms. (laughs) They just keep getting threatened. Allegedly. That's
0: right. (laughs) I'm going to kill your mother if she's alive, we think. I don't know. Zero it is. Female characters. Old Town is badass. Old Town is badass. I completely agree. The ladies of Old Town are awesome. This movie
1: is incredibly misogynistic. So much so. And yet, you have a full story dedicated to the woman coming out on top. Exactly.
0: It's a very complicated thing.
1: I'm going to go with .5. Because I do not feel like
0: walking the tightrope too long. I agree. I think point 0.5 and move on. <laughs> point right. 0.5, and move. Point five Perfect. for Rosario Dawson. She's fantastic in this. Boom. Any misogyny, she, she. you know what, we're going to, 0.5, moving on. <laughs> Setting. It is Sin City. Yeah. It is very
1: realized, the way that it's set up, where you have Old Town. You have the proper Sin City of the docks.
0: Right. You have the tar pits.
1: Pretty damn impressive for them only building four sets, four
0: practical Insanely sets. Insanely impressive for only having four practical sets, especially when you consider one of them was the hospital that was in the movie for two minutes. Right. You have Shelly's apartment, which is the whole
1: del Toro right. into the toilet scene. You have the Katie's bar, which is where Nancy dances. Yep. And then you have Hardigan's jail cell. That's it. Yeah,
0: that's That's not a and lot. And the
1: movie looks amazing so and it's phenomenal able to set up a geography around nothing for the most part. Yeah. I'm going to go with
0: one. I agree. That's a one. Easily a one. Mostly
1: because of what's about to happen.
0: Style and tone. We're starting at two. Yes. I think I'm going to throw out the unprecedented. I think it deserves the unprecedented. Let's give it a three. It is a three for style and tone. There's nothing like it. It's the first of its kind. It is impressive as all. Get out.
1: It is. And they even said, like, I mean, the movie had to keep its own style throughout the entire way. Yes. Down to the blood. Down to the blood. The Benicio del Toro blood, they had a major, major issue with because black and white, obviously, they had to have it show up, but it had to also fit the style and tone. So what they did is they ended up using the red blood. Fine. That's no problem. But they developed it in a way that if you signed a black light on it, it would reflect a certain way that it reflected into the digital camera. So it just showed up as a matte white. That is fucking beautiful. It's
0: amazing. It's so that well just done.
1: Filmmaking genius right there because- filmmaking really is just manipulation of light when you think about yeah it. when you break it down yeah. to the bare characteristics of how to use a camera and what you aim it as and here they just it's a masterpiece it's the, the way kryptonians pull wearing
0: suits of mirrors exactly fucking beautiful i want to give this a three i agree it's a three for style and tone and that brings us to music we got some old friends we do we have a few we have graham Revell who scored the hard goodbye we have john debney who scored the big fat kill and Robert Rodriguez did his own scoring in this. He did the yellow bastard. I think I want to go 0.25 because it's not very memorable. It's not. And the only part I really remember is the part that now all I can hear is blues brothers. So, (laughs) yep. Uh, yeah, we'll go 0.25. The music is appropriate. It does not stand out. Exactly. And honestly, I think if it did, it would probably be distracting. I
1: think you're right. This movie is about dialogue. Exactly. Next category is one liners. Speaking of dialogue, there's some good lines in this. There's some. Marv has a couple of good ones where he's like, that is a really nice coat.
0: He really like likes his trench coats. He likes
1: his, his coats. Uh, there's also the scene with Marv where he's dragging the guy's face on the ground as he's driving. <laughs> he says, I don't know about you, but I'm having a ball.
0: Old man dies. Young woman lives. Fair trade. That's, I like that one quite a bit. Um, I'll go 0.25. Yeah. They're not spectacular. No. Most of them, if somebody said them, you'd be like, what's that from? <laughs> exactly. So. And finally, we have impact on the genre. It got a sequel. It did? I think that this thing kind of cleared the way for a lot of future films and what they could do. I agree. I feel like before this movie came out, you had a lot of comic book movies that were trying not to do the comic book aesthetic. You had things like X-Men where they're like, put them in black leather. We don't want it to look too much like a comic book. And this kind of blew the doors open, like, hey, we can make this look as much like a comic book. Like, like Spider-Man is doing it, kind of. It's still a very realistic, muted Spider-Man. Right. But this is full on. They took the panels from the book and put them on the screen.
1: That's all they really did. And also, in terms of production, not a lot came before this that only used green screen. Right. Most of it was the Star Wars prequels. That's true. And those, they, get, they get shit on just a little bit. <laughs> you think? Just a little bit, because the way they look, the way that they are not important <laughs> stars right now, this movie took it to the next level yeah. of where filmmaking could go. Yeah,
0: and now you have things like the way they're shooting Mandalorian and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, which is, again, they're just creating entire worlds at a green screen.
1: I think that this movie actually speaks volumes ah. to the impact on the whole genre. Was that a pun? Were you Because the volume? It was not, but- that would have been pretty cool if it was.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with a two. i, I I'm going to allow it two for impact on the genre. That's going to give Sin City a total score, which you would not believe if you listened to the first four categories of <laughs> eight and a half. Oh, man, that is up That there. is high. It is one
1: of the most true adaptations to a comic book, though.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think I said to you before we, we started recording that this might be the most comic book-like movie that we've covered so far, in 136 episodes.
1: I think I agree with you completely. This one feels I think that score is completely the warranted. The most
0: like a comic book. It feels high. It does feel but high. But I get it. <laughs> it feels a little high. Well, the good news
1: is... I don't think you're going to have to worry about a high score next week no. because,
0: Brian, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to we're gonna double down on a Jessica Alba, which not intentional, but it happened. Not
1: intentional at all. <laughs> Did not put it together until this moment
0: as we're speaking. Uh, I didn't until I was putting together our calendar that you can see on all of our social media if you're following us like you should be. Next week, we're talking about Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. I've never seen it. Nor have I. Oh, fantastic. So we're both going in blind to this one. I've heard bad things. I've heard people say it's not as bad as people say, which we've been down that road before. Which means we've been surprised. Yeah, we could be pleasantly surprised. We could pull a Green Lantern or a Daredevil on this and actually like it. Who knows? It could happen. I mean, the first Fantastic Four movie is one of my favorite episodes we ever did.
1: It was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of fun but because of how much the movie wasn't fun. <laughs> Right. And who knows if that happens again? We'll find out the hard way next week when we talk about
0: Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. We sure will. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Go and like and follow us on the social media at Kate Podcasters. We are on everything. And go check out our Patreon. We're doing our monthly exclusive not so super movies. This month, we're doing Jaws. Hell yes. Very excited to finally see that movie. This is my once a week. Reminder that Brian has never seen Jaws. <laughs> I tried to get in front of it this time. For whatever reason, I don't know how. It's just one of those blind spots, you know, where you just miss something, and then at a certain point, it feels like it's too late. <laughs>
1: it just—it feels weird <laughs> if you hop on the bandwagon.
0: It's like if I watch, it, I'm going to want to talk about it. People to be like, "Why did you just watch Jaws for the first time?"
1: It just felt weird. I couldn't hop on the bandwagon too late. <laughs>
0: But yeah, go go join us on Patreon. We're having fun over there. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to katepodcastersgmail.com. I actually do have an email. Oh, yeah, all right. Uh, it's real short. Actually, uh, our good buddy Vincent, who calls himself Random Fan Vincent, which that's that's great. Great name. Hi, Vincent. He just sent us a link, basically, or a video from TikTok that comicbook.com put out. Do you remember the intro to the season finale of Loki, where they do all of the, the sounds? I do. Well, it turns out that comicbook.com pulled all the clips that those sounds came from and put them... It's been nice to have the time. And spliced it all together, and it looks... It's awesome to watch, Um, and it kind of contextualizes a little bit, and it's fun to to look at. And you can actually find that on TikTok on comicbook.com's account. And I will also post it on our Facebook and our Twitter, so you can see that. So thank you, Vincent, for sending us that. Thank you, Vincent. It's really cool. Also... Every week before we record, Dave puts a, a post up on the Facebook asking for your questions. What do we got today? Oh, we got a few. Yes. Kyle from the Experience Grind podcast. He wants to know, who would you
1: personally classify as a yellow bastard? <laughs> That's getting into
0: dangerous territory. This is not a political podcast. It's not. And also, I said yellow, not orange. Oh, I, I took it as like the, the figurative, like, you know, like yellow belly, like um, yellow. Yeah. Like a coward. I'll still substitute orange as my choice, as an orange bastard. That's fine. I like that. I forgot already, even though you just said it, that it's it's like a negative thing, because I went yellow and immediately thought of Big Bird, but Big Bird's not a bastard. Could be a bastard. You don't know. What's up with him and Snuffy? Walking on those streets. <laughs> high and mighty. Right? Getting jealous at Elmo and getting that attention. That's true. Big yellow bastard. <laughs> Inspiring with snuff not letting anybody else see him. That's the underworld of the street, the streets.
1: Kyle, <laughs> thank you. I guess. Yeah, that was
0: that was an interesting one.
1: Michael P. S. Warren he asks if you could have one thing colored in
0: black and white world, what would it be? That's a really good question. I have my answer. Toby Maguire. you're pleasant. I billing am pleasant. The situation. billing it, yeah. Well, that's just fantastic. <laughs>
1: I would probably say a beer. Oh, I like, and I that. say that because oh boy, I'm yeah. I'm so box my soapbox. Here it comes. There are so many breweries that pass all this red shit off now <laughs> as beer. It's like it's there's fruit in it. It's not a fucking beer at that point. It's like a slushy with beer in it. Exactly, and I want to not be fooled by that bullshit <laughs> in black and white world. I want to know what I'm drinking at
0: all times. What if it like all the these fruity beers just turn into like gray with little flecks of, of color in them. I hate it. Yeah, well, you can see More. you can see just how little beer is actually in it.
1: <laughs> They're being real generous calling those things beers. fruit Stop smoothies. drinking them.
0: Stop it. <laughs> this is an intervention. They're delicious. I don't care. They get me drunk and they taste good. <laughs> That's realistically what you want, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Jeff Miners! He's got a couple questions for us. A couple? Us. Yep, he's got two wet baby heads. Ooh! The first one is Bruce Willis. Yep. Mickey Rourke. Of Clive Owen.
0: Oh. Oh dear.
1: I want you to go with the characters for this one because of what's about to happen? Okay. The next one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry Bruce Willis. I think that's the right answer. I'm gonna kill Marv. He's loyal, but he's, he's a little pussy whipped. <laughs>
1: Just a little <laughs> bit. He's going to like hunt down whoever talks to you.
0: Yeah. I, after it's said and done. I can't deal with if that. You Went to Bone Town with him, and I guess that means I'm I'm hooking up with Mr. Clive Owen. Oh, cool!
1: You got the wild card. Good for you. <laughs> His second wedding behead. Stick with the characters here. Okay. Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson,
0: Carla Gugino. Stick with the characters. Sticking with the characters. Okay. Carla Gugino. It's probably not going to happen. You know. She's not interested in you. Not at interested. All. So I think that's that's going to be my behead. <laughs> I mean it seems seems extreme, but (laughs) It's fair (laughs) These are the options, right? Um Okay, so Nancy Callahan's only nineteen. Yep. That that's a okay. (laughs) Um I'm going to wed Nancy and bed Gail because Gail's got those knots.
1: She does have those knots. She's very good at tying knots. I would marry Carla Gugino. Okay. But I'm also the married one out of me and you, and I already know. Not going to be interested anyway. It's shut down (laughs) after marriage anyway. Closed up shop, so who cares? It's fine. She seems cool. Whatever. She does. I'm going to have to kill Jessica Alba for age reasons
0: because it's weird. Sure.
1: And those knots, man. I get it. The knots. Like, I want to know
0: what they're about, but I don't want to have to live with them my whole life.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you want to know what? I'm proud of both of us for not saying ass to mouth one time. Look at us. Not doing (laughs) it. We did it. We're growing up. You went and said it though. Uh, barely. <laughs> Last question we have is from our good buddy Micah. Oh. He wants to know Jessica Alba has you pinned down in a corner. Oh. You've paid your $40 for the dance. Oh, okay. She asks you what song to put on that jukebox. Oh, dear. What are you picking?
0: Everything inside me is saying you need to pick a long song, like something insane, like Inagata Davida.
1: I thought about that one exactly. (laughs) Micah said Bohemian Rhapsody because he thought about the long song as well.
0: but at the same time, I feel like I wouldn't need a 17-minute song. It'd be more fun to do like an 11-minute song that'd be super awkward. I think I want to go with Albuquerque by Weird Al. (laughs) Like, yeah, dance to that. Uh, That
1: could not be a more perfect answer. And I'm not going to even try to one-up that (laughs) because there's no point. Everyone, thank you so much for your questions. Albuquerque lap dance. Albuquerque lap dance. I dare whoever's getting Uh. married next on your bachelor party, do that. (laughs) Film it, send it, or whatever. Oh, God, that's beautiful. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for tickling the minds with those. After (laughs) we've been going this long and dropping those bombs at us. yeah, We really appreciate it every single day we record, usually Mondays. Uh, we put out the thing right in. Give us your questions yeah. or send them in to gmail Whatever works for you. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for the Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Same pod time. Same
0: pod, P.E.K.K.A.